again in chapter 5, as Brother Ryan mentioned in a series in the book of John. John chapter 5. I want to ask you to stand together as we read our passage of Scripture here. I'm going to start back a little bit in verse 15 and go on down from there. So John chapter 5, we'll start in verse 15. Remember last time we were dealing with the impotent man, how that Jesus had healed him. And as he very often did, he healed him on the Sabbath day just give a little dig to the Pharisees there and they were certainly upset about that they were indignant and you remember what uh, took place there now uh, the information has uh, been gleaned from this impotent man as to who it was that uh, healed him on the Sabbath day who had the audacity to do such a thing as that and so now that's where we pick the account up as we read from verse 15 as we saw that last week but let's back up there and read from verse 15 on the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus uh, which had made him whole. Therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. Uh, for what things soever he doth, these also doth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and, and uh, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of my own self do nothing, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness of the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and shining light, and you were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. 
For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. You will not come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. Another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I am will accuse you to the Father. There's one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? And our Heavenly Father, we come before your presence today. We ask that as we see this passage so clearly uh, marking the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ, equal with God, we pray, Father, that you'd help us understand what we have to gain from these truths that we see here, the adversaries who oppose this truth and the ones that embrace it. And, Father, help us to be among those that are, the, uh, that are counted among the righteous who look forward to the resurrection of life. We ask your blessing upon uh, the, the uh, preaching of thy word today and the reading of thy word at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Amen. Besides Wendy, you know, I like Wendy. <laughs> All right. She's down at junior church, though, so she wouldn't, she wouldn't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, take your Bible back to the book of uh, John, if you would, please. John chapter 5. While you're turning there, let me mention uh, the um, next year, uh, my good friend, uh, Brother Brian Dunlop, uh, pastor over at Lighthouse Baptist Church in Laverne, California, is putting together another, they have gone numerous times to Israel, and uh, they're putting together another one for next year. I think it's in the end of November, first, last week of November, first week of December, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, a good time to go to Israel, not quite as crowded, and weather's nice and such. Uh, so if you're interested in, in getting along with that trip, uh, they, they know the good places to go, and he knows how to get the good guides and everything. Uh, where you get to see things that we as, uh, as Bible believers would want to see more than, you know, just a lot of times you get to the different Catholic sites, and that's not as um, informative and helpful as it is if you go with somebody that's uh, directing you to places that we would be more interested in as far as the Bible is concerned. So you might want to go along with that. I think uh, Scott and Vicki are talking about it uh, now, and they're uh, planning on maybe going. So I gave him the information. Scott, raise your hand over there. That's Scott right there. So if you need the the details and just a phone number to get in touch with uh, those that are organizing that. Uh, you can uh, get them from him. He's got the letter there from Brother Dunlop that mentions that. So that's next year, um, in 2020, in uh, November, December time frame. So really good group to go with, and Brother Dunlop is really a good uh, organizer, so it's it's uh, well taken care of and, and uh, really a, a great time. We went, uh, the first time we went, we went with that group and really had a blessed uh, time together there, saw some remarkable things that uh, really changed our lives. So if you get a chance to go along, uh, that'd be a good thing for you to begin to plan about, but they need to know fairly soon um, 
to, uh, if you're interested, they don't have to have the funds or anything yet, but they need to know fairly soon if you're interested and want to be put on the list because they need to keep it to, I think, 140 people are the total number they're going to be able to accommodate. So see uh, Brother Scott about that if you want him to also uh, have him put your name down as an interested party concerning that. So that'll be a good thing. All right, John chapter 5, we read from verse uh, 15 on down there. And uh, the title of the, the message today that I put was Equal with God, Equal with God. As I mentioned, we saw the indignation of the Jewish leadership when they, uh, when they um, saw this impotent man walking through the temple with he's carrying his, uh, you know, his bedroll on his shoulder like that. And he's, uh, I don't know whether he's just walking. I think he's probably walking and leaping and praising God like the other fellow we saw in the book of Acts get healed there. But uh, he's in the temple there. They didn't care anything at all about the fact that for 38 years he'd been longing and hoping and praying that uh, the angel would come and stir the water. He'd be the first one in. He might have the chance of being healed. For 38 years that had been his case, this vain hope of healing in, in Bethesda's pool. And, and uh, that now... Uh, happened that the Lord Jesus had healed him and these Pharisees, these religious leaders cannot see anything of that. Their religion and their Sabbath is being violated. That's all they can see. That's all they're looking at. So how uh, skewed our vision gets when we uh, turn away from the Lord and, th- and, and uh, we use our own human reasoning. And that was the case here. Uh, but God knows men's hearts and he exposed their hearts. We read it there when we read verse uh, 42. He said, but I know that ye have not the love of God in you. God knows their hearts. Christ knows their hearts. I know that you have not the love of God in you, says he to that crowd. Their imprecations now that had been hurled at the impotent man now were turned on the healer of the impotent man. Uh, they were now uh, as angry as they could be at him. I mean, how much more angry can you get that you want to kill someone? That's pretty angry. That's a raging, violent spirit. That's a, uh, a savage spirit. And that's what these religious leaders had against the, the prince of life. They wanted him killed. And certainly, you know, the author behind all of that is the prince of darkness himself that these are being guided by. The uh, 15th and 16th ver- verses which we read spoke of their desire to slay him at the point that uh, they, they learned that he had been the one responsible for this individual violating the Sabbath day. And so they call him a Sabbath breaker. He's broken the Sabbath laws, they accuse him of. The um, Jewish leadership there had heaped a whole host of man-made controls on top of the Sabbath. They had heaped such a host of controls of man on top of the Sabbath that they had erected, as it were, a wall of the Sabbath between them and the Savior. They couldn't see the Savior for looking at the wall of the Sabbath and all of these controls that were in their mind being violated. And they, the Jewish leaders, by the way, had the controls in place but had appointed themselves the controllers. Jesus pointed out to them that here you are putting all of these uh, additions on the law on all the people you're heaping all of this upon them and you won't even lift a little finger to respond to them you won't even lift a finger to do those things which you're uh, requiring those that are under you uh, to to do and so that's the way it was the the uh, controllers felt like they were in charge and here's this uh, here's this disruption in the in the situation and the old carnal nature of man is what is on display here. 
and you think, well, that's them, and that's not me. You know, you have the same old carnal nature, and so do I, as they did. Uh, the only difference is we have a new nature. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again, you've got a new nature that's supposed to be in control, and the old nature is supposed to be under subjection there. That's what we're always working on. There's always a battle going on. We know that. We recognize that in our Christian experience. There's always a, a tug of war going on for who's in charge, you know. And the old nature wants to be in charge. The old man, the old carnal nature longs for control. And um, that's what these, these uh, Jewish leaders are upset about. They, they, uh, they saw that there was a threat against their control. Uh, the carnal nature wants control over things that the Creator did not put you in control of. And that's the way it always is. Husbands would rather control their wives than lead them. Wives want to control their husband, you know. Oh, the, the elbow to the rib, you know. And oh, uh, you know, uh, watch where you're driving. Back up, get closer, you know. And oh, you know, do this and do that. The wife longs for control of her husband, just like the husband longs for control of his wife. The children try to control their parents. They don't ask for things. They demand things. Do this. I want this. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Swing me. Swing me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's my granddaughter. My granddaughter said, swing me, Grandpa. Swing me. You know, she didn't get swung. <laughs> she didn't get swung. <laughs> She's demanding, you know. And so um, we're like that. Kids are like that. Mom and dad are like that. Grandma and grandpa are like that. We're all like that. Our carnal nature wants to be in control of stuff. And so, uh, you know, we see it in, in everybody. You know, it's not just the children. It's uh, not just spoiled millennials. It's, uh, you know, it's spoiled uh, baby boomers. It's spoiled greater generations. It's spoiled everybody. The old carnal nature. Uh, there it is. You know, you see that in, in, uh, in relationships. You see it in the home. You see it in the workplace. Uh, the employee grows to resent the employer, you know, and, and wants, always wants and demands more from the employer and, and always feels uh, cheated by the employer. That's so often the case, you know, we're, we're always, the old carnal nature always is desirous of control. And this spirit of, uh, of uh, uh, resenting any authority in our life, it goes back a long way, doesn't it? This spirit of resentment against any kind of authority in our life, it goes a long way back. It goes back before the creation of man. It goes back to Satan himself. We see it in the Bible. We uh, recognize it in there. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13. We see Satan uh, being uh, pictured here. And it says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. So Satan had had enough of being under the authority of God and had said, I want to be in control. I want my will to be done. If you read the whole account, you'll see numerous times where he refers in the first person, I will, I will, I will. And that's man's carnal nature too. We're always in that mode. I will have it my way, you know. I will be in control. I want to be in charge. And so it was that Satan gave that same desire to man from the outset in uh, Genesis 3 and 5, right at the beginning of man's uh, Time on earth, we read those words God uh, that uh, Satan gave to um, Adam and Eve. God doth know, he said. God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall be as gods. Ye shall be like God. You're going to be equal with God, knowing good and evil. 
equal with God is what Satan desired. Equality with God is what he put in the heart of uh, Adam and Eve and all of Adam and Eve's children. It goes down to you and me to be equal with God, God. That is to be in control of everything, to be in charge. It's all about me. That's what it was. And so it was with these Pharisees, these religious leaders, they were so upset about this situation that was entering in that was challenging all of these controls that they had put into place. These uh, leaders, these Jewish leaders, had appointed themselves as the arbiters of what is good and what is evil. It was to be their determination, their choice. And so we have that question that comes up, what is our part? What is our part? What's our responsibility? What is uh, the message to us today? Well, it's to, de- it's to determine God's order of authority. It's to determine what that is. Determine God's order, order of authority in our lives and then to just be content with that. That's a tough thing to do. That's a tough assignment. God puts us in that place and puts that, puts that responsibility upon us for us to be subject unto God's order and authority in our lives. So uh, when those authorities in our life do wrong, what about that? What about that when those authorities in our life do wrong? God uh, gives us provision for that as well. Uh, our, our opportunity then is to appeal to a higher authority because there's always one higher than any human authority. Always one higher than that. So we appeal to the higher authority. We go to that authority. You know, we are not required, you are not required to act contrary to God's word. As a child of God, you're not required to act contrary to God's word, even if those over us in authority require us to do that. We are not required to do that. Now, you may suffer for it. You may hurt for it. You may go to jail for it. But you are not required by God to submit to authority that is wrong, that is telling you to do wrong. No, uh, that, is not, uh, not, that is not within the framework of God's plan for the authorities in our life. So, uh, and, and so we have that. You know, There's a law now working its way through the legislature in California that is re- going to require pastors to shut up about uh, the question of uh, same-sex uh, relationships, homosexuality, uh, lesbian relationships, um, gender uh, issues. It's requiring pastors not to counsel those with those sins uh, away from them. It's requiring, even going to require pastors that, uh, for those that come to them asking for help not to give them that help. So... Uh, if one of our ushers could show the, uh, the lady where the uh, nursery is, I'd appreciate that, or the cry room back there so that I see some people are looking around there. If we could get some help on that, that'd be appreciated. Um, so we are, we are uh, recognizing those things happening uh, right now, those things that are occurring right at this time. We have it here in our, uh, our state of California, and it's going on right before our eyes that uh, we are living under a government. Like Brother Jim Wilson said earlier in our Sunday school hour, he uh, talked about the fact that, uh, you know, these things make no sense. They are, not even, uh, they are not even scientifically valid. They're not biologically valid. Uh, they have no, no basis, in fact, in any sense. And so how is it that they are so uh, widespread and so heavily being pushed? Because uh, men uh, have thrown off 
the authority of God and have said, we will do that which is right in our own eyes. And so it is with, the, with the, these things. But you and I are not required by God to uh, disobey his word in order to obey the lower authorities uh, that require these things of us. So we will continue as believers to, con- uh, to preach uh, uh, sin and righteousness and judgment to come regardless of whether the law uh, changes and, and says that even within the pulpit you are not allowed to say these things, you know. Uh, that doesn't matter. You know, we, we will speak the truth and continue to speak the truth, whatever the consequences may be, and you must do the same as a child of God. You must make that same choice. So there they were, the, the Sabbath breaker, and they were ready to kill him at that point. They were ready to do him in at that point. <laughs> and if they're ready to kill him at that point, wait until they hear what he says next. <laughs> so, so. So he's got them on the ropes already. They're almost apoplectic at what he has done in breaking the Sabbath so openly, so, uh, you know, so uh, uh, plainly, so in the public eye that he's done this. But now he declares clearly to them that he is equal with God. And they're speechless. They're so taken by this, they can't say anything for the next, uh, you know, 30 verses in the Scripture. They... They're, 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 they're listening to him with their mouth wide open and their eyes bugging out of their head and they can't believe what he's saying. He's plainly de- declaring equality with God. So he, he has made his works God's works. He said, God's works are my works and my works are God's works. He's made his will God's will. He said, God's will is my will and my will is God's will. He's made uh, the, uh, he's declared the truth that he is the Son of God. He spoke of God's power to raise the dead, and he said, that's my power as well. He spoke of the fact that God would not even be their judge, but that he would be elevated to the place of being their judge in verse 22. He claimed the same honor that was due to the Father. He said, if you honor the Father, you must honor the Son. And if you do not honor the Son, you're not honoring the Father. He claimed all that. He didn't make any. It was not unclear at all to these hearers what Jesus was saying. He was declaring equality with God. That's what's so stunning about these false religions today that uh, suggest that Jesus never claimed equality with God. The Jehovah's Witness, the Mormons, uh, believe Jesus is a created being, that he's a lower being, that he's a small g God and and so forth like that. They uh, preach and believe these heresies. Uh, clearly against the the plain, open, declared word of truth. None of these enemies of Jesus had any question about the fact that he was claiming equality with God, that he was claiming to be God manifest in human flesh. None of them questioned that whatsoever. They got it. They understood it. And by the way, when they confronted him about it, he didn't say, well, I didn't really mean that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not really God. I'm just like, you know, a a, a sub uh, I'm, a, I'm God with a little g. No, he never said anything like that at all. He let them understand clearly what he had to say. Look at it. Look again, John chapter 10, verse 33, and you can see that it's obvious. John 10, verse 33. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not. And this is one of the three times they tried to kill him. Uh, For a good work we stone thee not. They were ready to stone him here and ready to kill him, but for blasphemy. Because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. Makest thyself God. Well, what do these cults and these uh, false religions do with that today? 
the only thing they can do, they change the scriptures. They uh, throw out the authorized version and they rewrite in their own version. And they put a little G there for that and take care of that right there. So that, uh, that settles that problem, you know. Uh, if you don't like what it says, just throw it out and write your own version. And that's what they do. There's well over 200 versions of the Bible in English today. And it's still this one that stands up as true, you know. So, so stick with the book that uh, has been doing the job for 400 years and, and uh, don't mess with the other stuff, you know. Just throw it out, throw it on the trash heap. You don't need that. Uh, just get the, get the good book. That's the good book. You know, that's the only one that's ever been called. They don't call it, nobody call it, the culture doesn't call this a good book anymore because there are so many, you know, so many uh, imitations of it. There. <laughs> they don't call it the good book. But, but in the day when the authorized version was it, Everybody, even lost people, referred to it as the good book. And it is the good book. So, so Jesus made it very clear, no question about it, you know. If they were ready to kill him before about the Sabbath question, they're really ready to string him up now about the fact that he claims to be God manifest in the flesh. So, so, but in the middle of all that hate, in the middle of that anger, you know, you talk about hate speech. Look at the Jewish leaders for hate speech there. You talk about hate speech. Hate speech, it must be hate speech when you want to kill somebody. You're mad enough with Adam, you want to kill somebody, you know. That must be hate speech. By the way, we don't need any new laws against hate speech. It's, there's already laws on the books about, you know, about uh, wanting to kill people, about killing people, and about hurting people, and about, uh, you know, uh, doing damage to people's property and so forth. It's all, it's all there already. Just enforce it, you know, just enforce it. So, uh, so here they are, you know, they, they've got a hate speech going on, right? They're, they're ready to kill him. In the middle of that, with all that acrimony there and with all that indignation there and this, this atmosphere of, of uh, you know, uh, of murder in their eyes, in the middle of all that, Jesus extends them an invitation, an opportunity. What a, what a merciful, gracious God he is. I couldn't do that, you know, in the middle of that kind of an attack. I couldn't do that, but Jesus did. Look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death to life. Now, he's, of course, referring to those that had already made that commitment of believing on him and receiving him as their savior, but he's giving these in the midst of that, uh, uh, in the midst of that attack against him, he's giving these the same opportunity that he's given to those that came to him uh, earlier on and came to him receptively. The same opportunity that's given to the rest. There's, there's other people in the crowd that are listening besides these Jewish leaders, and he's giving them the same opportunity, and many of them are availing themselves of that opportunity. What a Thrill it is to see our Savior uh, exercise grace and mercy in the midst of such a venomous attack as that. Can you and I uh, gain something from that? Can you and I try to say, God, help me when I'm under assault, when, when we are being ridiculed, when we are being mocked, when we are uh, being uh, portrayed as the, as the bumpkins on the wrong side of the track who just don't get it. Help us, Lord, to be not uh, vindictive, uh, not vengeful, but to say, God, uh, be merciful to them, for they know not what they do. And that's what it is. They know not what they do. So he gives them that uh, invitation. He said to them, in effect, he said this, you don't have to be judged by me. I'm going to be a judge. I'm going to be your judge, but you don't have to be judged by me. You can uh, be forgiven by me. You don't have to be judged by me. I can give you, instead of condemnation, I can give you life. For I am the giver of life. He gave them that choice right there in that invitation. 
Ultimately, what we do with the invitation is what decides whether we'll stand uh, before the, uh, the um, uh, resurrection, with the resurrection of the righteous or with the resurrection of the damned. That's the, the, uh, that's the ultimate uh, end of our choice that we have to make. And it gives that choice to them in that, uh, in that place there. It, we, we read of the resurrection of the righteous, and I hope today that you understand that as a child of God, you're in the resurrection of the righteous. And if you're not yet saved, you need to run to Jesus today. You need to come to Him today and, and trust Him as your Savior that you're not part of that resurrection unto damnation. There is such a one. And there is a judge who will judge you. You'll stand before God's judgment in that day. And Christ has that judgment given into his hand. You don't want to stand before Christ as a judge. You want to stand before him as a savior, as your savior. And so do that. Make that choice. It's yours today. Uh, it's those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted him as their savior who will be in the resurrection of life. And then it's those who have rejected the Lord and gone their own evil way that will be part of the resurrection of damnation. So are the, so many of that party of people we read about in verse 40. Look at it again. Ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Ye will not come to me. I want you to notice whose will it is we're talking about there. We're not talking about God's will. We're not talking about the will of Christ. God is not willing we're talking about will here. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And he extends his invitation right here, and he says, ye will not. It's your will, he said, choosing not to come to me that ye might have eternal life. So uh, no question there where the will rests, where the responsibility rests. No, God does not condemn you to hell without any hope of salvation. And invitation is extended, and he's given you two alternatives, and he's saying you can be uh, you can appear before me as, uh, with me as your judge, or you can appear before me with me as your Savior. And the choice is always yours. So it is. God has the monopoly on life, by the way. There's, in him is life, and the, life was, uh, and the light was the life of men. You know? uh, and so uh, in, in, uh, in God, there's life. And he says, and he has given me that, uh, uh, that uh, blessing of giving life. And he has... Uh, given me the, the uh, power of the resurrection of the dead. And so the Lord God has the monopoly on life. No, you know, it didn't come from, you know, some rock hurtling through space, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, a billion years ago, whammed into the earth, you know, and the little microbes got out there and said, man, it was a rough trip, but we made it, you know. So uh, <laughs> dusted themselves off and got to multiplying and, you know, decided, well, let's, uh, you know, Let's be something else than we are. It's kind of boring life here, just being on a rock, you know, with a microbe. And so let's, uh, you know, let's try to, uh, to elevate our static standing and let's evolve. And, you know, take a few billion years, but we can do it. You know, we can get her done. And so, uh, you know, and here we are today. Here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous? Isn't it silly nonsense? Well, of course it is. Of course it is, you know. You know, asteroids sparked off the Mars, and you know, and picked up some Mars dust and ran through space and, you know, a uh, billion degrees out there, but they made it. They made it somehow. It got all the way to Earth, you know, whammed into the Earth a thousand miles an hour, and explosion that rocked the whole planet. But uh, those microbes, they're okay. <laughs> they made it through that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah, tell me some more fairy tales. Uh, tell me some more fairy tales, <laughs> you know. And there we go. There we go. Uh, so uh, you got, uh, you know, you got 
thinking, uh, thinking gets skewed and thinking gets messed up when man elevates his own will above the will of God. And that's the way it was. So here they are and, and uh, they're given that opportunity, but they're rejecting him, rejecting him. They want themselves to have that equality with God. They want themselves to be elevated above the throne of God. They want themselves to be the one that calls the shots. And then we see, as we wrap this thing up this morning, we see the great judge of the universe, great judge of the universe. Verse 22, he said, uh, he said therefore the father judgeth no man, but he hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And the Lord Jesus Christ will be that great judge of the universe. I want to explain to you for a moment, just as we finish up uh, today, a couple of things concerning judgment. Uh, the the um, judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ will will be a will be a just uh, judgment, it, and it will be not just a declarative judgment. It won't be just a declarative judgment of you know, statement of a fact. It won't be that. It, it, it won't be just that. In the United Nations, you know, they issue resolution after resolution, and these are declarative judgments. They're saying this is bad and that is good, and, and that's about all it is. It amounts to a resolution that never goes anywhere uh, because there's no teeth to it. And, and uh, we all make declarative judgments. All of us do that every day. These are based on our assessments of right and wrong. What we see is right, we you know, we make a judgment concerning that, a judgment call. What we see is wrong, we make a judgment call concerning that. So we all, you know, make judgments. And we're told in the Bible to judge righteous judgment, to, you know, understand what's right and what's wrong according to the Word of God and judge according to that. So we all require to make that kind of a judgment. Um, what, we, what we cannot do is execute the sentence. And that's what a judge who is put in the place of a judge must do. He, he, uh, he calls for the carrying out of the sentencing. And that's the kind of judge that the Lord Jesus Christ will be. He will execute, as it said there, use the very word, execute judgment. He will not just say this is right and this is wrong and leave it at that like the UN does. He will execute judgment. He will carry out the sentence of judgment. And certainly we don't want to stand before that great white throne judgment of God that one day all those that have rejected Christ will stand before. You can take time to read about it in Revelation chapter 20 and uh, verse 11 through 15. You read about that judgment where those that have rejected Jesus Christ uh, are resurrected from their grave and they'll stand before that judgment and they'll be condemned. And the final end in that condemnation is judgment in the lake of fire, not a place where God wants and desires anyone to go. But you make the choice. We make the choice. We have the opportunity. The, the invitation's there. The door is open. Right now, the flood has not uh, begun yet, and the ark's door is lying open. You can run to the ark of salvation. You can run to the ark of safety. You can have Jesus Christ to be your, your uh, uh, Lord and your King and your Master. You can have Him uh, to be your Savior. You don't have to have Him be your judge, uh, and you don't want to have Him be your judge, you know. Every one of us in our natural state wants to be equal with God. We want to be in charge of everything. We want to be in charge of ourselves, and we want nobody else in charge of us. So we want to be equal with God. You know, we really want to be equal with God. Uh, we want to be our own boss. We want to be our own controller of all. But this is where we must come to the place of surrender and submission. That's where surrender and submission is applied at that place. And that's really where real liberty comes from. It's in surrender and submission to Jesus Christ as your Lord. 
I wonder today if you're the boss or if you have understood that the Lord's the boss. And if not, come to Christ. And if you are saved, but you haven't been treating the Lord like the master of your life, let's, let's do business with Christ and get that, get that where it should be. And it's a fight. Uh, we always, you know, we're always trying to re regain control of the steering wheel of life. You know? We're always trying to scoot over into the driver's seat. You know? We're always trying to push uh, our Savior out of the way. And you know, we'll take it from here, Jesus, now that you've got us coasting good and going on a straight track. We're all right from here. But we've got to remember as a child of God to return the, uh, the authority, to return the direction, to return the guidance to our Savior. And so maybe that's your need today. The Bible makes it clear there. In verse 39, he just told me, he said, search the Scriptures. Search the Scriptures, for they are they which testify of me. So uh, find him as your Savior uh, and don't face him as your judge. Let's stand together, give an invitation today. And if you have not yet... Uh, Surrender to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Come and take him today as your master. Don't reject him any longer.